0: Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create your own MFR business, how to have one, and what to do to get started. Each week, we will discuss practical ways to create a business that keeps you from under-earning and burning out. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Over 10 years ago, I decided to change my massage practice to MFR only, I became fully booked and have enjoyed years of success helping people to get out of pain and return to active lifestyles. I'm here to help you do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've never had a business before. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the MFR Coaches Podcast. I am your host as usual, Heather Hommel. Today, I have the very special opportunity to interview my coach, Simone Soul. She is creating a revolution in how life coaches market online. She teaches coaches how to become profitable by putting love first, leaning into their messy genius, and not being afraid to get a little weird. In the past 2 years, Simone has created millions of dollars in her own business and helped countless life coaches scale their businesses with joy and sovereignty. She is the host of the top-rated Joyful Marketing Podcast and author of the Fearless Marketing Bible for Life Coaches. Simone, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you about all the things. Yeah. And I also forgot to mention in the introduction that you are my coach. Like Simone is my life and business coach. I'm a member of her mastermind. And I am learning how to run my business from joy and sovereignty using her methods and all of the genius that comes and spills out of her brain once a week when I get to meet with her. So I am... Learning so many things from you. And I think it would be so fun for you to tell my audience kind of like what sparked this idea for you to start a marketing business based on joy and messiness?
1: Ooh, okay. So I started to be a life coach because I just really cared about helping people to suffer less in life. Mm -hmm. That was my main preoccupation because I had suffered emotionally so much in my life and anything that could help people just have a little bit less pain in life. I was like, that is my mission in life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I became a life coach. And so when I began coaching, I was just so happy to help anyone with anything. Like mm-hmm. you have painful thoughts about yourself. Let's help you with that. You know, you have a goal you want to reach. Let's help you with that. You have like a phobia of flying. Let's help you with that. Like it would be literally anything. Right. And the process of me learning how to actually market my own coaching Was very long and arduous and painful and hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I was trying to do it the quote unquote right way. And I was trying to do all the things that the marketing experts told me to do, like, you know, create a freebie, have an email list, grow your list, you know, all the things where I was like, okay, so this is what you're supposed to do. And doing them didn't feel fun. I didn't feel like I was gaining traction. I felt like there was some big fat secret I was missing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would look around at other coaches around me making money and I would just feel mystified, like, what am I missing? What am I missing? And what happened was that at some point I realized there were all these ways in which I was kind of like hiding myself from the world Mm. as I was trying to market my business or even as I was trying to show up as a life coach. And I realized, actually, I'm actually not showing up as a life coach in so many ways in my life. For example, I'm afraid to talk about it on Facebook where I was all the time, where Mm -hmm. all my friends were, because I was afraid that they were all going to think I was so weird. And then I would like never talk about it. Or if I talked about it, I would talk about it in this very like official, professional sounding way that didn't actually feel like my personality at all. And so I started noticing all these like incongruencies, all these ways I was hiding myself, I was editing myself, I was presenting myself as a version of me that I thought the world found acceptable as opposed to the real me that you get to see if you're my close friend and we're drunk together, right? (laughs) And so at some point I got kind of sick and tired of my own self-hiding, self-editing act. And I decided, you know what? This is like way too exhausting. This is not fun. I'm just going to be weird. And I'm just going to tell everybody all the things that I've been afraid to say because I've been so afraid of rejection. Mm -hmm. And at the time it wasn't like a marketing move. It was just, it's kind of like, if you have any kind of marginalized identity that is easy to hide from others, it's the same amount of like, I'm sick of hiding me myself, right? I'm sick of presenting to the world in a different way than I really am. So it almost felt like I came out with my weirdness, Mm -hmm. right? I came out with my passion for self-help, how cheesy and embarrassing, right? Uh, I came out with my like, weird spirituality. I came out with my sincerity and my earnestness. And I came out with, hey, I really care about like mental health and well-being. And I really believe in life coaching and I want to help people with this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in that process of letting all of my weird out into the world, what I discovered completely by accident was that that was the point where everybody wanted to buy coaching from me. Yeah. And because they would say, the way you show up is so inspiring, you seem to really accept yourself. How do I do that? Right?
0: Yeah. Show me the
1: way. Yeah. <laughs> you seem to like enjoy being alive. What's that all about? Teach me how to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I developed my marketing philosophy, which I now make millions of dollars with completely. Um, I wouldn't say by accident, by, but it wasn't what I was trying to do. I just got sick of hiding myself and I was like, okay, let's see what it feels like to live from a place of like being ready to be seen and met by the world. And if that means that I get rejected and banished from the tribe, then I'd rather be rejected for who I truly am than be like accepted and loved for who I'm really not. Because what's the point of that, right? Yeah. It's like rejecting
0: yourself then.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you can... Numb the pain of rejecting yourself and you can kind of cover it up with other things for a while. But life is short. And at some point, I was like, fuck this. And so now I've kind of like systemized and bottled up and broken down all the things that I've did in order to present as my true self and be authentic and be loving and powerful um, and be of service at the same time. Like I turned that into a training. And I t- turned that into a set of ideas that I now teach people so that my clients can learn how to do what I did in a much shorter amount of time with a ton more support than I did because mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I
0: figured it out alone.
1: I mean, yeah. there were coaches who helped me, but I felt like, you know,
0: but I the was... Brain, like the brains behind what you've created, like that came from your brain, you know, no right. one else could create that for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's so awesome and amazing. And you're helping so many people too. I think because I'm a member of Joyful Marketing and the Mastermind, and just getting permission to show up as ourselves is like is so huge. And that's yeah. like the biggest welcoming Matt into the program is like, hey, guess what? And just show up like you do. And, you know, just show up. That's all you have to do. So I'm many curious, people like to like, complicate it.
1: Yeah. When you came into my world, when you started being coached by me, what was the biggest way in which you let yourself be yourself?
0: Oh, good question.
1: Like our whole philosophy is the more you, more authentically you show up, the more you let the world meet you and love you, the more clients you create, the more money you make. So since you've grown so much since I became your coach, I'm just wondering like, what were some pivotal things you remember where you're like, oh, I'm going to be more of myself. Oh, I'm going to
0: show the world more of who I am. I'm going to offer like, what were those moments? It happens every Tuesday night Um, (laughs) (laughs) after our meeting. It's just inspiring some of the things that you come up with that are so thought provoking for me. I know, like this week, we were talking about what are the gifts you have that are the solutions to creating more for your audience and for your people. And I was thinking, like, to relate that to myofascial release therapists, so many of them are like afraid to say the words, like, I. Can help you get out of pain because they don't want (laughs) to overpromise, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, too, life coaches like we're afraid to say, Well, I can help you with that, but I can't guarantee it, right? Because we can never guarantee anybody's outcome, but just practicing saying the words like you can actually offer someone joy, you can offer someone pain relief. You don't have to decide ahead of time that it's not available for them just because you're scared. Mm -hmm. And I think. Working with you, I've been able to kind of like amplify my voice around that and Mm. my encouragement of the therapists that I work with to start saying things that are more bold, to start putting themselves out Mm. there, to start when clients are like, I feel good after one or two sessions, be like, but what would you be like after 12? Like, Mm -hmm. why would you stop here? Mm -hmm. Same with how you're like, you know, why would you just kind of become yourself? Like, what if you went all the way there? Like, I'm excited to meet myself all the way along the path. And also really excited for like, the more I let myself out of the bag, out of the closet or whatever, like the more i become unleashed, I think the more people are attracted into my world. And it's more fun because when you're editing yourself and staying small, it's a lot of work.
1: It is so much work.
0: Yeah. And there's no relief in that. Like, it's just as scary to stay small as it is to get big. Or to just be ourselves. So
1: Exactly. You don't get to avoid those emotions of like, ah, you know, because those emotions happen when you're a person living in the world. But I think when you're hiding from the world, you keep experiencing the same set of problems over and over and over again. Whereas where you are becoming more courageous, showing up to the world, you keep experiencing negative emotion, but you keep upgrading the quality of your experiences. You keep upgrading the quality of your problems. Yes. Right? And I think that is a more gratifying way to live.
0: Yeah. It's so fun too, just to know like whatever experiencing we're having right now, like life's 50-50. So some of the time it's going to suck no matter how much money you make, how in love you are with your spouse, how cute your baby is, like any of these things. But if you can kind of navigate those times and not be like, oh, something's totally gone wrong. I need to fix everything. That's like something I do is like, I'm always trying to solve for problems that aren't there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i can
0: like let go and just be like this is actually not a problem that needs to be solved for
1: yeah
0: it's like you just whoosh right through whatever is happening quits happening because you're not in it you're not giving it attention or time or worry because it's not a problem so
1: right yeah yeah totally (laughs) i'm really excited to think about you um helping all these is it mfr right Mm -hmm. yep mfr MFR. therapists deliver so much more usefulness to their clients or is it patients right
0: and yeah, patients or clients yeah
1: make a lot more money by like really stepping into their power and like yeah.
0: being daring and bold yeah cuz they are like they've already office. switched career paths by the time they've become a myofascial release therapist like some of these people have yeah. doctorates in occupational therapy or physical therapy or they're actual like medical doctors and massage yeah. therapists and speech and language therapists and yeah Like you pay for all that education, right? And then you learn that the education you learned isn't going to actually help people the way that they tell you it's going to. And you stumble upon John Barnes' myofascial release. And then you're like, everybody needs this. Every Mm -hmm. single person with a body needs this. And they can have so much higher quality of life without all of the aches and pains that we go through with a human body. But I think Somewhere in there, there's like this, well, who am I to do this? Or who am I to Mm -hmm. tell people I can help them? Mm -hmm. So my coaching really centers around them finding their power in that as like, you're already so powerful because you've decided that you can do this modality and you're learning it. Like that Mm -hmm. right there separates you from everybody else that's just doing the basic thing. It's just the basic things to get by going, clocking in, clocking out. Yeah and just like shining a light on that and how important it is. And you should be compensated for it. And it's okay for you to stand out from the crowd. Like you shouldn't be charging a basic amount. You should be charging what you want and what you need to get paid. That's so powerful. Because
1: I think what gets under discussed and there's a lack of awareness about is how incredibly radical it is when every time a healer becomes an
0: entrepreneur. Yeah.
1: Right. I think that's so radical. And I actually love that there is this, at least from where I'm looking, there's like this surge of like a generation of healers also learning how to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Because I think to be an entrepreneur, to make money, to exchange value for money you have to kind of step into a kind of power that you never have to if you're a healer, like for hire, if you're just like- Yeah, if you're an job, employee. Yeah. Or you're an employee. Yeah. And also I think in a lot of societies, healers may be entrepreneurs in the sense of they are service providers and they receive money for the services they provide, but they're not necessarily expected to like become prosperous or wealthy. It's just like, do your job to help people and to serve and then you can like earn a living, but that's it.
0: Yeah, don't make too much money because that's yeah. just greedy. Yeah, I mean, it's, and yeah, exactly. It's an so, epidemic. <laughs>
1: it's, it's an epidemic problem. from everywhere, from like all of history. And that's why I think so much of the blocks that we come across when you coach MFR therapists and I coach life coaches is because what we're doing is so radical, so countercultural to turn healing into a business like even like though the word business can feel dirty to so many people because traditionally those two things have been separate right business is not dirty like if there was no business like you wouldn't be able to
0: like eat because who would sell you food like right yeah it's the way it's the way it's set up that's the machine that that we're part of
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. And when once you think of it as like, oh, because business and commerce exist, like I have food on the table, I have an iPhone, I have like all the, the, you know, just like everything in life. And you notice how business and commerce are just neutral, like tools and, and methods by which we exchange value. And like this is the thought that I want to offer everybody. I get to be a powerful player in that I get to be yeah. a powerful player in the, in the exchange of value. And when you become a successful entrepreneur, when you become a successful business person as a healer, what you do is that
0: you create a lot more healing in the world. Exactly. How would you say you measure the success for someone like that? Like, what should they be thinking about? When they're thinking about business success? Yeah. Like, how do they
1: measure that? Oh, okay. So I have kind of an interesting answer to that, I think. If somebody were to ask me, how do I measure my own success? I want to suggest that they pick a measure that kind of scares them. Yeah. So for example, if it's scary to like measure your business by how personally happy and fulfilled you feel, if your brain resists that, it's like, well, that's not real. That doesn't matter. That's just whatever. Then it's like, Ooh, we should go with that measure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And really like try to create more success in your personal happiness and fulfillment. On the other hand, if you are scared of measuring um, your success by the amount of money you make, if for some reason your brain has resistance to that, Mm -hmm. that tells us there's maybe like a block there that we can explore, like what's happening there, right? Yeah. And- what would it be like if you really allow the amount of money you make to make you feel really successful? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, of course, the right answer is success is measured by whatever you want it to be measured by. And I think there, there are so many ways. And a lot of the times people only measure it by money. But I also think that some people are, they're too uncomfortable with money. They have too much like blocks around money yeah. to feel safe, like really receiving money and reveling in, in money and mm-hmm. reveling in the success. Of their financial success. So it's like whatever your brain wants to resist, that, that's probably
0: where the gold is. Yeah. I love that so much. Do you think it's a problem if people are resisting money, like raising their rates, charging what they need to charge? Even if there's like so much uncomfortableness in that, like, do you think that's even a problem? Like, should people even be concerned that they're resistant to charging something, but they're doing it anyway? like while they're exploring how to become the person that is comfortable charging higher rates? Yeah. I think if
1: you're asking what I think you're asking, basically like, is it okay that there might always be some kind of squidginess around yeah. charging a lot of money and making a lot of money? Yes. Yeah. And I think that is not really a function of you like not having enough abundant beliefs or whatever. I think it just points to the reality of how most of us are going up against really, really powerful and old and deeply entrenched cultural programming Mm -hmm. about what money means, how it works, and whom it's for, right? Yeah. And so when you really think about how deeply entrenched and how old it is, like money is the root of all evil and like yeah. money, if you want money, you're greedy. And like, and look at all the ways in which money is being used in a way to you know, oppress people and exploit people. And because those are the realities that have been created because people had made less than beautiful, healthy thoughts about money. And because we live in a world where a lot of that is the status quo, and we're actively going against it. I feel like the discomfort that you feel is almost like the detox, right? It's mm. it's you re- meeting something that's not true yes. and then acknowledging it and then choosing something that's better.
0: Yeah. But then,
1: you know, it's really hard to completely be free of that. Cultural influence, right? It's yeah. like, it's like you're, if you're a woman, you're, you might always have thoughts about like your body image or how pretty you are, or whatever, yeah. because we have literally been conditioned from day one to believe that our worth as human beings is correlated to what, what other people find us attractive, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, you I love like you posted something today, like don't you ever fucking wait to lose weight or to get skinny before you go on that photo shoot or whatever. I think that's what you said. It's like so true, you know, for every like five times a day that I've thought I was like too fat or whatever, not good enough. I could have spent that time like helping somebody. (laughs)
1: So showing like, up. Totally, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: the world is fucked in so many ways, <laughs> yeah. and the economic system is fucked in a lot of ways. So we can wait until we have a perfectly equitable and just and beautiful economic system to start doing our work, or we can create a beautiful, just and equitable economic system in our own microcosms. Like mm-hmm. it begins with you, yeah, right. If you want to create that kind of ecosystem, what you do is that you charge great money to provide a service that has value that far exceeds the money. Mm-hmm. And then you put the money that you have made towards beautiful use that reflects your values. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you don't lie to anybody. You don't steal from anybody. You don't cheat on anybody. You don't exploit anybody. Like it's really yeah. easy. Yeah. You <laughs> it's don't like, provide it. a great yeah. service, you know, take the money that they want to give you and then yeah. don't do anything bad to anybody. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's all you have to do. Because right. money doesn't, like, turn you into a bad person. It just amplifies who you already are, which yeah. I'm constantly reminding people and reminding myself, like, this isn't a problem, like, to have this influx of money. Like, this is not a problem. This is this is fun. It's not, like, a hot potato that you have to get rid of because that's my favorite thing is to, like, make a bunch of money and then spend it all. Mm. <laughs> so, like, I'm working on, you know, having some money and not, like, yeah. worrying about, like, well, how am I going to do this again next month and all of that stuff too. Or like, what's the next shiny object I can buy? Because, you know, it's fun to buy stuff, but it's also fun to have money and to be able to give money away. I think in your Week of Miracles program that we just did, was that two weeks ago? It was like not that long ago. I just moved. (laughs) So my sense of time time is like... Simone just had a baby and she moved. Well, during that week, just the idea of, I wasn't creating anything during that, but I was participating in other people's miracles. So, mm. you know, Latifat's and Dr. Sunny's fundraiser that they did that you then decided that you would also contribute to, like, it was just so fun to contribute to that and then see how much money could be raised in like a week or two time just by having a concentrated effort.
1: Totally. Because
0: someone had the idea and the audacity that people would donate to that. And like, why not? Totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. Ironically, Heather, I think when you allow yourself to see yourself as a channel of money, a conduit Mm -hmm. of money, Mm -hmm. allowing money to flow through you, I think that is when ironically, you're able to hold on to more money as well. Yeah. Right. Because I don't remember who said this, but like recently somebody told me and this concept and it blew my mind, which is that you don't really own your money in the sense of like, there's no like dollar bills out there with like your name on it. Right. Right. Yeah. They just happen to, you know, come into my hands for a period of time and then they leave. And that has to be the truth because I can't like take them with me when I die. Like at some point they leave my hands, even if it's like when I die. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So it's like when you, when money comes into your account, it's like, Ooh, I'm responsible for stewarding this many dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. I don't have money and earn it and keep it and make it mine. It's like, I'm a steward. I'm a channel. It all flows through me inevitably. It all leaves me inevitably, even if it's when I die. And so when you think about it like that, it all becomes like a lot less personal, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It becomes a lot less personal. And I think when it's less personal is when you actually are more chill and therefore it's like, oh, there's $100,000 in my bank account. I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah what it feels like a hot potato is when you attach so many stories and you attach all this meaning to it and then it becomes very charged and you like, ha- yeah. you know, you have to get, yeah, why you to would you want more it? when it's so like, it's
0: so dramatic, like
1: there's so much drama. With exactly. It. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. that's when a lot of like money sabotage behavior happens that when you think that you own money and when you have a lot of it in your bank account, it means
0: something. Whereas, yeah. oh, I'm stewarding it now for, yeah. for now. You were talking about scarcity last night too. And like, not enoughness and purging words about not enough, like purging it from your reality, right? Like that's an option for you. You don't have to continue on with scarcity or draw it into you anymore. You can just stop, you know, kind of just like be aware of how many times per day or per minute, those kinds of words, not enoughness, like our brains say not enough. Yeah. Not enough time, not
1: enough enough energy, not enough money, not enough, not enough clients understanding not enough you know my husband isn't giving me enough whatever like yeah yeah let me actually like introduce this to your audience as well because I think it's really cool and I think everybody should do the scarcity detox yeah so just like the official version is it's really simple scarcity and not enoughness is like this idea that something is not enough or that there is scarcity of something is not the truth but it's a way of experiencing the world and it's a way of experiencing life So for example, let's say your stomach is growling and there's nothing around you. You can say there's not enough food and you can be like, well, but that's true. Or you can say, I'm having an experience of hunger.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Right. It's just like a cleaner way of looking at what's there and experiencing reality. And there's so much that you see. There's so much that you get to experience when you step outside of the paradigm of not enough.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful really powerful. It's just having an awareness around it and kind of zooming out and observing whatever you're going through, like in a different way. Like you said, like if you're feeling hungry or your stomach is growling instead of being like, there's no food here. Yeah. Just stopping and pausing and being like, I'm hungry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, That's all that's happened. That's all that's happened. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then you, you can problem solve.
1: Exactly. From a place of not being freaked out, right? Yeah. Let's say you lost all of your money. Let's say you gambled it all away. Totally mm. made up scenario. Fun. And then you didn't have money to pay rent. So you moved into your parents' basement. Yeah. Right? You can tell yourself, I don't have enough money. Or you can tell yourself, I am living in a space that has a roof over my head. Yeah, right? Like, Yeah.
0: Doesn't mean yeah. you want to stay there. Just because you make it that kind of a statement doesn't mean you're gonna give up and just stay there if that's what
1: what makes you more likely to problem solve in a constructive way and make great decisions when you're telling yourself i don't have enough money or when you're telling yourself i have a safe place to live
0: when i have a safe place to live for sure
1: yeah right and it's not about gaslighting yourself and say like i feel amazing i have enough (sighs) of everything when you when you but it's just like let's notice what else is true you might your brain very well well might keep shouting you don't have enough money but the truth is What do you have enough of? You have enough shelter. You have enough food to eat today. Mm -hmm. You have enough oxygen. You have enough skills in your brain. You have enough friends. You have enough, you know, I'm just making this up, but there, when you look for what there is enough of your brain just fires different. That
0: amplifies all of the things you have plenty of. Yeah, it helps you find more. You know, more amplifies the
1: resources. That. Yeah. amplifies your appreciation and amplifies whatever makes you feel capable enough to take the next action. Right, so. Like, for example, I read about this idea from a book called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, which I really Mm -hmm. highly recommend. Yep. Yeah. And in in, in the book, it talks about how like in a lot of the times like international NGOs would go into like a really poor country and be like, well, how do we develop this country? Well, there's not not, not enough of this. People don't have enough education. There's not enough infrastructure and there's not enough that. And the thing is, people who are native to that country buy into this idea of like, I live in a country where there's not enough of anything. Yeah. And it really creates like, like almost like a people concept. Like they think of themselves as like, oh, we're a poor country. We don't have anything. We don't have enough of anything, right? We need someone to save us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And how almost like dehumanizing almost. And so in the book, Lynn Twist talks about the experience that she has, like working with these NGOs, going into a really, say, a really economically impoverished country and being like, what is the wealth in this country? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what are the resources that are here? What is the genius of the people who live here?
0: Yeah. How are they making it
1: work? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. What is the wisdom? And when you ask these questions, like even to the people, the way they start thinking of themselves changes. And I'm like getting chills thinking about this because like, you know, we talk a lot about decolonization and mastermind, Heather, right? And it's so colonizing to go into a place, even if it's like your own brain, to be like, well, there's not enough of this, there's not enough of that, right? Yeah. Compared to the standard of perfection. And so therefore we have to fix you, improve you. Whereas going into a place, any place, a home, a country, a society, your own life, and being like, where is the wealth? Where is Mm -hmm. the genius? Where is the courage? Where is the resources? And so, of course, when you start thinking in this way, you create so much empowerment, you create so many solutions where there used to be none, you create hope, you create beauty, all of these things. And so I'm calling all of this like scarcity detox. It begins with you noticing every time your brain says, not enough of anything. And then simply redirecting yourself and asking, "Hmm, what is there enough of? What is there instead? Where is the abundance? Where is the richness? Where are the gifts? Where are the resources? Mm -hmm. And then just let your brain notice what's true and explore that and watch your life
0: change. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's so simple. Like where can we find all the things that we have enough of everywhere, like with our clients and like also extending, you know, from the therapist client relationship, like you're not there to save that person. Like that person is saving themselves by coming to like finding the resource of myofascial release. Like, like you're not saving me and my business as my business coach. Like I was a badass that found you that was able to find resources to pay to be in front of your brain, right? So that I could absorb this knowledge so that I can change my life and change other people's lives, right? Like, it's kind of thrilling all of the cool choices and decisions we make along the way, not from fear, but from like love and joy and like the bigger life and to help all these people. Like, that's what you do. You help people all day. Totally. That's what I do. I help people all day. And it's like, I freaking love it. That's
1: such an empowering way of thinking about investing in yourself and learning and growing. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you should obviously hire Heather as your coach because Heather is brilliant. (laughs) But if you hire Heather or me or anybody else for your professional education or for your own brain, life, happiness, whatever, don't think of it as like, oh, there lies the answer to my life. Like that is going to save me. What Heather was just talking about, the way I think about it is that you're already a badass. You already have everything you need and more. Mm -hmm. And what you want is already meant for you. It's already inevitable. And this is the person, this is the program that I choose to be my ally. Yeah. Right. I choose this so it can enrich the wealth that I already have inside, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to learn these skills and I'm just going to add these skills to my already impressive arsenal of skills as opposed to oh, when I learn that thing is when I'm when everything's going to start working again because yeah. right so, now it's not working. Check that box. Right? Yeah. Right. And so starting with that attitude of like being impressed with yourself, finding the deep enoughness in yourself, I think that's a really great place to make investment decisions from. And when you make investment decisions from that place, you actually get so much more out of the investments, you create way greater results, you just have a better time as well.
0: Yeah. And you're not waiting for the person to save you. Like you don't need to be saved. You're whole enough. Let's just get on with what you're trying to learn. Everything you were just saying just kind of gives me chills because it's kind of the idea too of like as a coach and also as an MFR therapist, like we're holding the belief for two people sometimes before the other person has decided that they believe to. So, you know, like as the therapist, you are holding the belief of what is possible for that client or that patient to live pain free. You mm-hmm. you believe it enough for both of you in the beginning. You don't know how long you're going to have to hold that belief. And I hold that belief for my clients that come to me for coaching and create that container, that space of belief. And it's like this magical experience when the belief that you hold for your client and then the client's belief, like the belief levels engage, like they're on the same plane and the client takes off and mm-hmm. they start to think and behave as the person that you always knew they were yes. before they knew it. And it's mm-hmm. like magic. And I always talk about this happening ahead of time. I'm like, there's gonna be a time where right now I'm holding the space. I already know the end of the story. Like, I already know you create a six figure business. You know, I already know all this. You're gonna help all these people. And they're kind of like, but I don't have any clients, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know how you mm-hmm. can say that. So, like, I need mm-hmm. 20 clients before I can believe it like we're setting big goals for the end of the year right now and I have clients that I've been coaching almost all year then they're like I'm a 10 out of 10 I'm I'm hitting my goal like I'm going to light everything on fire like everything is amazing for them and then there's people that I've been coaching for like 8 weeks and they're like I didn't even set a goal I'm not sure what my goal like there's so much confusion and ambiguity in it and there's like just a difference in the person that's clicked into the belief and the person that's just not quite there yet and yeah there's beauty in both sides of it, because once it clicks in, like they're a different person. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You
1: (laughs) know, I, I always like to tell the story of my very first coaching mentor, you know, I was certified as a coach for the first time 10 years ago. mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like my eighth year that I made any kind of money. And I remember when I was first getting trained, literally 10 years ago, my coaching teacher told me, Simone, you're a star you're, you're going to be a star in this, yeah. in this world. And, you're like, and at the, actually in the beginning, I was so excited. I was like on the high, like the honeymoon phase. Was, I was like, yeah, I'm a star. I'm going to be a star. And then immediately like my life imploded on me. And then I had like a seven year long crisis in which I was like, just doubting everything. And I was way too, like, in my own drama to, you know, make money. All the things that we talked about earlier, I was, like, Mm -hmm. hiding from the world, right? I just think about how the whole time, the entire time, that coaching teacher that I was referring to, she was like, you're a star. You're a star. You're a star. All the while, for seven years, I was, like, hiding and not making any money and barely helping any people. (sighs) And in the eighth year, in the ninth year, I make a million dollars. And my teacher's, like, told you. Yeah,
0: like, what were you waiting for?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and but also I love how she held such powerful, incredible belief. Like she saw into the future. And there was no urgency to it. She wasn't yeah. like impatient, like TikTok tock, Simone, let's go. What are you doing? You're wasting yeah. your potential. You're she making was just me like,
0: look bad. Let's get it. Let's go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, she, she was unattached was, to the outcome. She
1: was totally unattached because her belief was unshakable. Mm-hmm. And I just think about like, how would I have been if I thought a client was a star and they weren't doing anything for the first year, the second year, the third year, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd be like, well, maybe my judgment was wrong. Maybe they weren't a star. Maybe I was a shitty teacher, you know, <laughs> just like yeah. all these things. Thinking about my teacher always reminds me, it's never our job to like, be like the timekeeper. It's never our job to rush them. It's never our mm. job to figure out the exact how for them. And we're, Heather and I are kind of talking as business coaches, but mm. if you're an FMR therapist, the same for you, like your only job is to hold the belief for your client's healing. Yeah. Right? You see that's them your already. your only healed. job. Yeah, that's it. How it happens, whether it happens, on what timeline, Mm -hmm. it's none of your business.
0: Yeah. Because I think so many of us just want to like rush in, be the hero, because we want to feel good about ourselves. And like, you just get to feel good about the fact that you are taking this training and you have clients that you can practice it on. And we aren't in charge of when or where or how they heal. Like you said, like, it doesn't have to be a rush. It's just like cultural where everything has to be bigger, faster, harder, stronger. Like exactly. I mean, how long is a lifetime? If it takes you a year to feel better for the rest of your life, would that your investment have been worth it? If it takes me five years to become a millionaire working with you, like was the extra year, or who's even to say like how many X amount of years it should take? Like was it worth it? Right. Like, yeah, because I want to have that experience. Like, I'm in this for the experience of all of it and who I totally. become. Who do I need exactly. to become, right? Like, I'm still learning. I have a lot to learn. And I'm open to it. Like, I'm not making that against me when I say that, that I have a lot it's, to learn. It's also easier when you're having fun on the journey. Yeah, it's super fun. Like, I have not been well. <laughs> like feel like some of my job right now is like, doesn't feel good. And I am also well. But it's just like, I'm... Willing to go through it because I can only take my clients as far as I'm willing to go through the shit soup, you know, of business. Like, which, by the
1: way, does not stop when you have a multi million dollar business. Right.
0: (laughs) And I'm always telling my clients, I'm like, it doesn't stop at six figures. Right. And that's, that's like where my experience level, like, levels off. So I'm constantly. I I have you know it.
1: colleagues and friends who are also multiple se- seven figure earners mm-hmm. and I had this conversation with them recently where I told them like I honestly <laughs> I don't know why but I honestly thought that there is a point where it stops being messy and confusing mm-hmm. and scary yeah and I was like oh that's not how any of this works yeah and so I still feel like a lot of things are messy and confusing and scary. And they're messy and confusing and scary on a way bigger scale because I have a way bigger business than I used to. Yeah. And a lot of me coaching myself recently was on, oh, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm not fucking up my business. It's just always messy and confusing and scary. That's just how it is. Yeah. (laughs) And then you
0: have like some relief in that. Like you're not trying to solve for a problem that's not there. Like, no, it's messy messy right now. That's fine. It's like a healing crisis. I think the only way you prevent
1: messiness is if you're not doing anything new. If you're not growing. Totally. If you're doing exactly what you know how to do and you just repeat that for the rest of your life, there's no messiness. Like you stay there. And the only way it's not scary. The only way you don't fail at things is again, if you are not growing at all. And if you are staying with what you've already created, Mm -hmm. but the comfort is in knowing, oh, I'm having all this crazy drama because who I am is just a person who who's always expanding so much. I'm always yeah. growing so much. I'm always learning. You know, I gave birth a few months ago. I don't even remember who I was before that. Right. But it wasn't just the birth. It's all like the work that I did on my with myself and on myself to become like the next, you know, iteration of me. And yeah. I'm growing so fast. now Simone
0: as mother too. Like,
1: yeah. 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 And my neural pathways are always rewiring new neurons firing all the time. That's what my mind reads as like, oh, drama and fear and confusion. Mm -hmm. But actually it's growth. Actually it's learning. Actually it's enriching and deepening, right? Yeah. So I like to offer that perspective to everybody else as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. Love that so much. I was going to say too, part of the therapy we do, a lot of our clients go through a healing crisis. And this is like the thing that therapists fear the most (laughs) because they think their clients are going to break up with them or they think that they've somehow injured them. And it's like, no, like this is where your body like heals itself. Like you've triggered the mechanism that didn't fire the right way the first time this injury happened. And so Mm. now they are going to relive whatever happened to them and feel like ass. And then on the other side of that is life. It's like Mm -hmm. giving birth, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. the whole process of that. It's not dry. It's not clean. It's messy and and sweaty and like it's messy. And it's because it's life. Like every biological process is messy. It's messy. And yet we're like all with like, you know, sanitizing wipes, like trying to like wipe away all the mess. exactly, And yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I you
1: need it. like the best reminder about how messy the process of creation is, it's like literally giving birth to a human being, right? Yeah. It's just pain and agony and blood everywhere. And it's just yeah. like it's out traumatic. of control. It's yeah, traumatic. And, then, and yeah. then
0: you have to like take the baby home and you've never done it before. Like yeah. you're learning on the job with like a human that's yeah. like dependent on you. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So yeah. if it feels awful, you're not doing it wrong. Right. You're, you're probably doing it Right. Doing it right keep going.
0: Uh, yeah. And don't be afraid to talk about it because people should talk about that stuff more often. I think <laughs> it would totally be helpful. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, I am so thankful you were able to come on with us and just talk to all these MFR therapists. They are going to profit so much on just having, I feel um, like I need
1: one now. <laughs> like, oh,
0: your, like, it's yeah. Well, there <laughs> is a directory. It's MFR therapists with an S.com and you can put in your country and your zip code. There may be someone, in oh, Korea, in Korea. I don't know Let's
1: see. Yeah. maybe when
0: you go to Paris you'll find somebody I don't know but yeah cool <laughs> there are people all over the world that do it I is it like hand-on? hands-on oh yeah it's hands-on. Oh, okay.
1: that's
0: hands-on okay I just don't know anything about it. cool maybe, all right maybe, I'm gonna look maybe, one it, of y'all up in Austin I'll I'll give you a little treatment you'll <laughs> awesome yeah All right. Thanks for coming on. And for everybody else that's listening. Yeah. Everybody else that's listening, um, check the show notes for links to follow Simone on social media. I think you guys would get a kick out of the things she has to say. And it might even influence how you talk to your audience because...
1: It might even influence how much money you make. (laughs) It might
0: even influence how much money you make. Yeah. She's the real deal. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for joining me. And I'll see you next time on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.